Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. Welcome to Quran 30 for 30. Alhamdulillah, we have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful panel today. We have none other than Sheikh Abdullah Duru, alhamdulillah, of course, uh, always, always alongside me uh, and, and uh, mashallah, inspiring us all. And then we have Dr. Farah Islam, who was our star from last year. She, alhamdulillah, came on. Last year, you came on and like you blew us away, and then we were like, okay. We need to get you to join the team. And alhamdulillah, I mean, not only did you join the team, but you're now a research director at Yaqeen, alhamdulillah, I mean, of the psycho-spirituality department. Alhamdulillah, I mean. And we have Dr. Omar Hussain, I'm, I'm, who I'm genuinely terrified of. Uh, I told him this before we got started because I make dad jokes. He makes bad jokes, but not in the, like, bad, like, as in, as in, like not good, but bad as in like he burns, he burns us. So I, I don't know a sheikh who roasts people better than him. So I'm, I'm actually afraid of you. Uh, I'll, I'll start off by just saying, uh, I think we should start with Dr. Farah. Uh, a few uh, nights ago, um, uh, Sheikh Abdullah Aduru, we had a guest that wasn't able to make it. And he said that he would try to tolerate me for 30 minutes. I've been trying to forgive him. I'm having a hard time reconciling in my heart. So can you give some advice how I should forgive him? And then we can ask uh, Dr. Omar Hussain. I'm having a hard time dealing with it. It, it felt, it, it really hurt, you know, that I'm intolerable. He suggested I'm, that I'm intolerable. <laughs> Dr. Omar, I trust you, man. We go way back, Shake. <laughs> <laughs> you got to settle it on the court. I don't know. <laughs> on the court? Yeah. You mean the ping pong table? <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> he won't come to the football field. Oh, Sheikh, will you be there? Come on, we. I think people come play football this weekend. Bismillah. All right, I'm down. But if it's Sunday morning, no. See, all right, no, never mind. Doctor Omar, what, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> Settle that off there. <laughs> I work out faster, my brother. No, 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 not more faster. Sheikh Omar, how's it Look, going? I, I, all, alhamdulillah. All I got to say is, mashallah, with that, with the shirt that Sheikh Abdullah has, all is forgiven. I mean, he could have committed armed robbery, but it, it looks so good, mashallah, that it doesn't matter. So I think it's not an issue, and we can just move on. Alhamdulillah. Dr. Omar, what's I mean, your best dad joke? So I I gave a um, a passionate lecture to my local community on how I don't like the term dad jokes. Um, so I'm, I'm like totally getting serious here for a second and, and not <laughs> giving you what you wanted. But I just feel like dad jokes are kind of like, uh, if you look behind it, it's kind of like, oh, there's dumb old dad, you know, like sitcom dad or whatever. So I don't really like the term dad jokes. And I'm sorry to completely take the air out of the room and <laughs> anything else. But um, so that that's just kind of when you said dad jokes, you know, I, I get kind of. Wow. I get kind of um, excited, excited about um, that. All of you who are watching, please do not say dad jokes. Please don't refer to my jokes as dad jokes anymore. That's the. That's the alhamdulillah. So alhamdulillah, So you're not going to roast. You're not going to roast me. You're going to leave me be today. Alhamdulillah, Well, that's unrelated to dad jokes. I don't see how roasting is related <laughs> to dad jokes. So. <laughs> He's going to leave it for slack. He always has his countdown, ladies and gentlemen. He always has like his top five. You know, roasting mm -hmm. moments. It's always you know, coming, always from a place of love, though. Always from a place <laughs> of love. <laughs> well, we're going to go ahead and get started, inshallah ta'ala. Um, we have, alhamdulillah, all four of us today. And um, inshallah ta'ala, for that 
purpose. We're going to all, inshallah, be on our seven-minute uh, timer. Bismillahi ta'ala. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. So we are now at Juz 15. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to have this recitation that we have done up to this point accepted, our fasting and all of our deeds accepted. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to embark on a greater journey in the second half of Ramadan and accept all of our deeds and allow us to be amongst those who catch Laylatul Qadr. Allahumma ameen. Uh, this is a juz that has two primary surahs. We have Surah Al-Isra and Surah Al-Kahf. And uh, inshallah ta'ala, I think the majority of what we're going to speak about is in regards to Surah Al-Kahf. But subhanAllah, there's something that I was reflecting on in regards to the nature of both of these surahs and how they relate to the the concept of the akhirah and this idea of transcending the realm that we are currently in. And if you look at it, obviously there are a lot of miracles that are spoken about within these few surahs, right? Surah Al-Isra being the miracle of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and what was given to him of the night journey. Surah Al-Kahf full of different miracles. And then Surah Maryam, miracles of prophets, uh, obviously uh, Maryam Alayhi salam Isa Alayhi salam Zakariya Alayhi salam and so on and so forth, the miracles of various prophets. So it is a, you know, even though Surah Maryam is in the next Jewish, you have many miracles. However, there is something very specific in regards to the idea of Akhirah here and hereafter, which is that when you talk about Surah Al-Isra, it is elevation out of this realm. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the doer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَعَالُنِ مَا يُرِيدُ Allah does as He pleases. Allah does as He wills. And the ability to elevate someone outside of this realm. And that is, of course, the Prophet ﷺ, who Allah took on this journey all in one night. And time becomes irrelevant. Space becomes irrelevant because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed that the Prophet ﷺ would be elevated out of this realm. And then subhanAllah in Surah Al-Kahf, you have a group of young men who are put to sleep within this realm, right, for an extended period of time that is beyond any human norm, beyond any expectation, and then brought out of that sleep after this long period of time to show, subhanAllah, even within the realm, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not subjected to any type of limitations that we have become accustomed to. And obviously, Al-Kahf shows the expansion of possibilities in many different ways, in many different fashions, all out of the divine perfect planning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again, subhanAllah, it's something that I was thinking about al-Isra' being elevation out of this realm, al-Kahf put to sleep within this realm, all of it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who controls time and place. And of course, this was a key objection that the mushrikeen used to have uh, to the idea of a hereafter is this idea that, you know, how is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reassemble us after we have died, right? So once we become bones and dust, how is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going to resurrect us? seeming to suggest that once we are subjected to uh, to death with regards to our physical being and time with regards to our limited life, we can't see anything beyond that. And Surah Al-Kahf and Surah Al-Kahf take us out of that all together uh, in a very beautiful way. Uh, beyond that, subhanAllah, the idea then of the precision of Allah's qadr, the precision of Allah's divine decree, compared to the precision of Allah's recording of the deeds. This is something very, very subtle, but very powerful that you find within these two surahs, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pivots from the precision of his divine decree to the precision of his recording of deeds. And so Surah Al-Isra 
in verses 13 through 15, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَكُلَّ إِنسَانٍ أَلْزَلْنَاهُ طَائِرَهُ فِي عُنِقِ وَنُخْرِجُ لَهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ كِتَابًا يَلْقَاهُ مَنْشُورًا اِقْرَأْ كِتَابَكَ كَفَى بِنَفْسِكَ الْيَوْمَ عَلَيْكَ حَسِيبًا That we have bound every human's destiny to their neck, and on the day of judgment we will bring forth to each person a scroll, a record, which will be laid open in front of them. And it will be said to them, اِقْرَأْ كِتَابَكَ Read your record. كَفَى بِنَفْسِكَ الْيَوْمَ عَلَيْكَ حَسِيبًا You are enough of a witness upon yourself. You already know what you've put into these deeds, that into, into these scrolls of deeds. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not confront you with Allah al-Mahfuz on the Day of Judgment, with His divine decree. Allah will confront you with the scrolls of your deeds. You know what you've been putting into those scrolls. And so read your book. It's all been recorded. And Allah says, Whoever chooses to be guided, then that is for their own good. And whoever chooses to go astray, that is for their own loss or to their own loss. So you're not being forced. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not using uh, the supernatural to oppress you and to force you into misguidance. Here, whoever chooses to be guided, it's only for your own good. And whoever chooses to go astray, it is only to their own loss. And no soul is going to bear the burden of another. So your sin is your sin. Your good deed is your good deed. And Allah says, and we never punish a people until we sent a messenger to warn them. So you've been given sufficient warning and you will be confronted only with your deeds on the day of judgment. Lastly, subhanAllah, fast forward to Surah Al-Kahf. Verse 49. So this was Surah Al-Isra, uh, 13 to 15, and then compare it to the next Surah, Surah Al-Kahf, verse 49. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And the record of deeds is laid open, and you will see the wicked in fear of what is written in it, and they will cry, woe to us. What kind of record is this? It has not left anything off the books. Everything was recorded, and they will find everything live, present in front of them. But your Lord has not wronged anybody. Your Lord has not wronged anybody. So subhanAllah, look at the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes us from this point of, yes, divine decree is being recorded precisely. And miracles can happen within that divine decree because Allah is not subject to your limitations. But the recording of your deeds is what you really need to be concerned about because those are the scrolls that will be laid in front of you. And your Lord does not wrong you. Your Lord is not forcing you into misguidance. Your Lord is giving you an opportunity. He sends you messengers. He sends you a message. He gives you opportunities and you can't blame anyone else. No one can carry the blame of anyone else. And subhanAllah, you find that in both of these uh, surahs, the shaitan is mentioned, but at the same time, the shaitan is not blamed for the misguidance of anybody, right in the center of both of these surahs, that he carries his own burden, everyone else carries their burden as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and guide us to that, which is best. Allahumma ameen. Dr. Farah, I hand it off to you. Bismillah. Everyone. I wanted to uh, focus on Surah Al-Nikahab in a particular passage of um, from for, verses 45 to 49. I feel like a lot of us are overly familiar with Surah Al-Nikahab, so I wanted to take some time to really appreciate it, inshallah.
And particularly, it's the passage where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the life of this world. He paints this beautiful scene of a lush, you know, green garden thriving under abundant rain and how quickly everything dies, withers away and gets scattered in the wind. Allah is asking us to, from his, with his noble words to consider the true reality of this life. He's asking us to take on the lens that he is presenting us with to see reality as it is. You know, my favorite of the 40 hadith of Anawi goes like this. Every person starts his day as a vendor of his soul, either freeing it or causing its ruin. Allah wants to present us with his lens so we can live in this world and not become attached or shackled to this dunya. He wants our emancipation. He wants to free us from bondage. Allah is asking us to consider the true nature of this dunya as transient and ephemeral. The things we often concern ourselves with most are also part of the illusion. Allah tells us in verse 46, that wealth and children are the glitter of this life. In the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that these mighty mountains that we thought were immovable and indestructible will be crumbled to dust and blown away as if they were nothing. Everything that we hold is unshakable reality. Everything we concern ourselves with is really part of the illusion of this life. The illusion that makes us believe that we're going to live forever, that we're invincible. The illusion that makes us believe like Yusuf Aini Sadam's brothers that I will be good later, right? The YOLO illusion, you can call it the idea of that you only live once. And we can tell ourselves that intellectually we believe in the hereafter, but do we really believe it? You know, Sheikh Abdullah, you know, mashallah, really uh, asked us a really poignant question on, on the first episode of this series this year. He said, we say, we all say we believe in Allah, but do we believe him? Do we believe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he tells us that there is life after death? Because if we do, that should transform our lives. That should change everything that we do. You know, Ramadan is the month of the Qur'an. This beautiful book is supposed to move us, to transform us. And one of the most profound ways that Allah asks us over and over again to change is to shift our perspective, to shift our lens, and see this world for what it is, to see the illusion. What I find so wild is that we can all look up at the same scene before us and see something totally different. You know, when my son looks up at the clouds and says, you know, thank you, Allah, for the beautiful sky, he is seeing his creator. But another person can look up at the same sky and see nothing but clouds and sunshine, and they'll appreciate the beauty of it, but not appreciate the Rabb who created it. As believers, we see the creation and look beyond to see the creator. And that's wild. Like, forget sci-fi movies or green screens or special effects or whatever, right? That's the same reality being warped in the same dimension, just in different minds or in different hearts. That's amazing, subhanAllah. You know, the other day, we were all sitting around the dinner table, and my father-in-law was saying in Bengali, he said, The one who seeks Allah will find him everywhere. And then my sister-in-law quit back and she said, the one who does not seek Allah will never find him. It's the same dunya, the same scene, the same wondrous sky before us. 
while some of us just see clouds, some of us get the chance to see the divine. And this takes reflection, takes contemplation, deep thought to develop this lens. It takes what you're doing right now, watching this video or listening to this as you drive, because you want to develop a deep and personal connection with this beautiful book. And may Allah reward you for that. I mean, I was thinking about how my son does this funny thing. And maybe you've noticed this with the kids in your life as well. But when it comes to taking a walk, he just kind of falls apart, right? He generally be on it. He wants to be on his bike or on his scooter, anything else rather than walking, which is so blah boring, right? Except when it's a walk through the forest. And then he's bounding ahead, picking up sticks, chasing squirrels. He has the time of his life, right? On the last take we went on, he stood on this, you know, looking out at the scene of rivulets and trees below him. And he said, this is even better than a painting. Allah makes the best paintings. Allah, what the, you know? But if I ask him to go for the same walk, or let's say much shorter distance through a neighborhood on the sidewalk, ostensibly requiring, you know, the same effort, the same movement, my son will fall apart. You know, his legs will become jelly. He'll just disintegrate. He'll be like melting as he has a meltdown. And it's one of those weird parenting moments where you're like, what is going on, right? Um, and he just falls apart. And so you can ask then, well, why are those two walks so different? Although my son may be too young to articulate this, I'm going to argue that in one walk, he is only surrounded by the mundane, but in the other, he is reminded of the divine. And this makes all the difference. And this is true even for a child. To paraphrase Ibn al-Qayyim, in our souls, there is a wahsha or an estrangement that can only be quieted when we near our Lord. It's the same scene, the same sky, or the same walk. <laughs> you can walk through this life and see the city, the neighborhood, the streetlights, the sunsets, and think they are nothing more. Or you can walk through this life and see the garden that awaits you, inshallah, ameen. As Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah tells us, in one walk, we bring nearer what is remote, which refers to the next world, which both shaitan and illusions render seemingly distant. But for the servant who keeps to remembrance, it is as if he enters the next world and dwells there. Will you attach yourself to this life and fail to see it for what it is? Nothing but a way station on our way back, our, our journey back to our creator. Will you free your soul today or will you cause its ruin? What walk will you choose? It's very hard to follow that. Uh, so Alhamdulillah, I went before because I don't have to follow it. So it's all on Dr. Omar and, and Sheikh Abdullah now. Because that, But it's, it's, it's good. You know, we've only had like Urdu spoken by Mufti Abdurrahman Wahid here. So it's good to finally balance out. <laughs> You know, some of that uh, before he brings his poetry. By the way, he is coming on at some point, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, so, uh, but, but Jazakumullah khairan, beautiful, beautiful reflections. Uh, Dr. Omar, I don't envy you, but you have to follow that. So, bismillah. Bismillah rahman rahim wa bihi nasta'een wa ba'ad. This would be a great time to claim technical difficulties or just freeze in my frame. Um, but Jazakumullah khairan, Dr. Farah, very, uh, very touching reminder. Um, I just want to speak very briefly about uh, verse 
starting at verse 65, the story of Musa and Khidr. Now, Surah Al-Kahf, I think most people here are reading it, right, every Friday. And we kind of read it. But the beauty of the Quran is it doesn't matter how many times you've read something, there's always something to uncover. And one of uh, the takeaways from this particular story, and we'll go through it in a second, is it really solves a philosophical problem uh, that people often have. And of course, we know the more philosophical one is, the more confused they are, right? But it really does answer a question which kind of comes up over and over again. And we'll, we'll do it like Jeopardy, right? We'll give the question after we, at the end, okay? So in this story, we have, of course, Musa in Khidr, and he's going along. He's been told there's someone who's wise um, and to follow him and, and take from him. So they start walking. So let's just imagine, let's put ourselves in Musa salam's shoes. So he's walking and he sees someone put a hole in a ship, right? Musa salam doesn't understand. Most of us would not understand. We would question, which is what Musa salam does, right? Why did you do this? Because it just doesn't make any sense that you would go and damage someone's property. Now, of course, when I'm hanging out with Dr. Omar and Sheikh Abdullah, I question everything that they're doing, but I have valid reasons for that. But in this particular case, I think anybody would say, how could you possibly damage this ship? Right? So Khidr says, Basically, I told you so, and I'm paraphrasing, of course. Fantalaqa, um, so they keep walking, okay? Now, they go and they meet a, um, a boy. He sees a boy, right? And Khidr kills the boy. Now, how can we get beyond this? This is, this is too much, right? And of course, Musa salam says the same thing, right? How could, how could you do this? This doesn't make any sense. How do you kill an innocent soul? Khidr salam says, I told you this was gonna happen. Okay, Musa salam says one more chance. This can be one more chance. Now they are walking. They uh, desperately need some food. They need some housing. And uh, in that time it was custom that when you have people coming in from town, you really host them and are hospitable. And they find the exact opposite. No one is willing to host them. And um, what does Khidr do? He sees a wall and he puts it up. So basically in, this, in the de desperate situation they're in, he basically works for free. And Musa salam, again, like any one of us, it just doesn't make any sense. We need something, we could have easily taken a wage. And this is where Khidr salam, says, okay, this is it. So now let me tell you what happened. As for the ship, there was a tyrant king he was basically snatching up all the ships. So to divert attention from the king by grounding the ship where it was, it didn't allow it to move forward and be completely ransacked. So what happened? It was to damage the ship was not a big deal compared to losing everything on that ship. So now we think about this, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, in the second case, killing a boy, how can that be justified? Well, that boy, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew he would grow up to be someone 
um, who would give his righteous parents a difficult time, who would be rebellious. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removed that difficulty from them. Now, very important to point out in the end of the story, Khidr does say that this was all done by a command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Uh, so I just want to definitely mention that. And then in the third case of taking wages or not taking wages, when it was really justified, what was the reasoning? Because there was a treasure underneath that wall, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to preserve for some orphan children. And so later on, they can come and claim their treasure. But if it wasn't covered, then of course, people would loot the treasure. So we think about this and we look at this and we say, well, that, that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. In fact, everything that happened in this makes sense. So what we just did in the story of Musa and Khidr is we saw what is the problem of evil or why do bad things happen? There are wonderful publications that's going to detail on this, um, which you can find at the, the website, on Yaqeen's website. But this is something we're reading every single Friday and we kind of read through it and, you know, but this is solving like something that deeply, deeply troubles people that they don't know how to answer this. They don't like they lose their iman because they don't know how to approach it. But here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing us how things often are not what they seem and what we classify as quote unquote good may not be. And what is apparent to us may not always be the best. And quite often it's not. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is all-knowing and the one who is in charge and the one who makes plans. And a lot of times we will focus on things we've missed out on and really dwell on it. But many times we'll get something which is even better, but we don't look at it in the same light, right? We kind of downplay it or don't even mention it at all. And that's a very serious matter because it's, it's bordering on, on ingratitude. So this is, um, you know, the, the stories are given in the Quran because stories are fun. We like stories, they hold our attention, um, but there's just so much wisdom that can be taken out of it. And here we have one of these philosophical problems which has been haunting man, you know, for thousands of years, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is helping to illustrate and show um, that he's in charge and things are not always as they seem. Wallahu Mashallah, right on time. I think that was seven minutes. You managed to squeeze in that you wouldn't trust Sheikh Abdullah and I if you were with us. And still finish in seven minutes exactly. I'm very meticulous with my time. So I, I see that. that. And you know, honestly, like I, I see Pete, Sheikh Abdullah, I go to the gym. I do. I work out. I know you don't believe it. But like if I went with you and you started like doing these things that I don't understand. You know, like, <laughs> the bar you're supposed to do pull-ups not i don't know how you ended up getting over the bar and doing this over the bar and you know if you start throwing weights through the windows and i'm just i'm not gonna understand oh, what kind of tipsy is that man that's like that's, not tipsy. that's a real life that's a real life situation i just i, I would Dr. not Armour, don't, with your with your with your routine dr Armour, don't downplay your efforts walking on a treadmill is working out so i don't <laughs> I want, I don't want, exactly. I want you to feel bad about that. I, I he's almost as good as, he's almost as good as Dr. Altaf, man. I need to have him and Dr. Altaf in a room. Those two, I don't know if I can stay in the room. We'd have to put a rating on YouTube. 
you know, at that point. <laughs> well, was that? But on a serious note, subhanAllah, so we've covered Surah Al-Kahf here pretty, um, alhamdulillah, just, just a few of the highlights, right? But subhanAllah, what, 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 what Sheikh Omar is mentioning, you know, one thing, Dr. Omar, that I, I, I recognized, and not me, but many of the Mufassireen pointed this out, is the levels of outrage with Musa salam. So the first time, you know, with just destroying the ship, it was uh, Imra. Like this is this is astounding. This doesn't make any sense. This is kind of strange. Why would you be doing that? But then he actually accused him the second time, Nukra. This is evil. What you've just done is an act of evil, right? And obviously, you know, this is not something that any human being can do, which is why, you know, uh, the ulama mentioned that this is based on nubuwa, on prophethood or, or beyond that. Well, not, not beyond some of the mysteries and things that are associated to Al-Khadr, uh, but this idea that this is not, he's not doing this from himself, but this is the way that divine decree works in the background. Uh, I think, subhanAllah, as we, as we go through that, the lens, what Dr. Farah just spoke about, which is the lens that you have to life, and seeing the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with things that are obviously beautiful helps you to also come to terms with things that you can't understand because you're constantly thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I think one of the main problems is people immediately throw negativity, right? When something bad happens, they immediately go towards the blaming of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and divine decree and, and, and things seemingly being off. Uh, so Jazakallah khair, very... Uh, profound and Sheikh Abdullah is going to talk about the Quran, Alhamdulillah, Surah Al Isra, and, and help us ground this once again in divine revelation. Sheikh Abdullah, if you have any thoughts as well as you're thinking about not just what you're going to share, inshallah, ta'ala, your portion, but I think it's a profound enough topic and a deep enough topic, inshallah. What's interesting is how you mentioned Musa in the beginning, he said, you know, that's strange. And it seems like, subhanAllah, um, that's like the tadaruj of shubuhat, right? It's like, okay, in the beginning, shubuhat means misconceptions from that which resembles something, but in actuality, it's not, or a doubt. You know, it may in the beginning be strange to a person, and then, subhanAllah, if they continue on without seeking the knowledge or, you know, consulting with people of knowledge, then it becomes something that may even be evil with lowercase letters. And then it could get to something to where it's something that they may feel is a form of misguidance if they follow it, right? So subhanAllah, it's, it's interesting how that was mentioned. And then just the tadaruj of <clears throat> Musa and Khadr, you know, alayhi salam with that is so many fawaid and benefits. But we're reading all of this in the book that is the revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And knowing that that is from, knowing that that is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a milestone of our existence. I could say of our faith, but of our existence, because with our existence, the faith shines and we need the faith to make sure that our existence is that which is uh, purposeful, meaningful. We see many different you know, people of, of, of humanities, particularly psychology, in the past and present trying to find what is the meaning of life. Is it finding happiness or is it finding meaning in and of itself? When we look at the Quran al-Kareem, we have to understand and take a step back you know, that, and, and really look at, okay, God, who is he and what does he want to tell me? Right, we don't want to to make it very difficult. We want to understand that the Quran, as a Muslim, we believe that it is the word of God, and He's telling us something. How to live our lives? Who? First, He introduces Himself by saying who He is and who He is not, 
And then he tells us how to live our lives accordingly, accordingly meaning that we live our lives according to the way that he has legislated within the Quran and within the actualization of the Quran being the prophets, all of them that came in a chronological order. The last of them being Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hence, the Quran means that which was recited or that which was revealed or gathered together and revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when looking at this Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the chapter of Al-Isra, verse number 9 and 10, where he says, after a'udhu billah min ash-shaytan ar-rajim, inna hadha al-Qur'ana yahdi lillati hiya aqwam wa yubashiru al-mu'minina alladhina ya'manuna al-salihati anna lahum ajran kabira wa anna alladhina la yu'minuna bil-akhirati a'tadana lahum a'thaban alima. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here makes a very important statement. And there's particularly one word that he uses that really hits home for our humanity and reality uh, in this world. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Now, translation. Indeed, this Quran guides to that which is most, most suitable and gives glad tidings to the believers, those who do righteous deeds, and they will have a great reward. The next verse, and those who do not believe in the hereafter, we have prepared for them a painful torment. SubhanAllah, when looking at this Quran, we have to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the, we can say the word religion, or we say the word deen, okay? Uh, this way of life of practice with the deen of Islam, the religion, is a fadl. It's a virtue from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But sometimes when we look at the word religion, we look at it as, okay, it's a whole bunch of rules. But if you were to establish a business or establish any type of organization, they call it organization because you have to be organized in order to reach a particular goal. Because you're dealing with different people's personalities, experiences, there has to be some standards that are set. So we look at Islam as guidelines with objectives. Guidelines with objectives. Qawad that have the usul or these basics or these rules or these maxims that have ultimate maqasid, objectives. When we look in the Quran and the Sunnah, they have some ultimate objectives that many scholars talk about that there are five and some say that there are six. We have a lot of time to go into them. But particularly one of them primarily is hivduddin, is preservation of the religion and preservation of the soul or the self. Anything that we see in the Quran or in the Sunnah of the Prophet we must understand that it is there for that primary objective to preserve these elements within the life of creation, within the lives of creation. So when Allah says he guides to that which is most suitable and upright, aqwam, aqwam, aqwam means that which is uh, uh, upright or standing, as you say, qiyam, or it comes from this basic jidr or root, morphologic makeup. So it guides that which is the best. It is the most suitable situation. We may find people within a particular culture, they have things that are not immoral Islamically or not immoral when it comes to, to other human beings. But if Islam calls to something that may differ or something that is more preferable, we have to understand that it is, it's important for us to try our best to understand and to accept the fact that the Quran calls to the best. It calls to the best in all aspects of life. And gender relations, when we're talking about marriage, for example, Islam mandates that we, if we have a, an interest in the opposite gender, then the best way is to marry. 
And that is the way that helps all of humanity, not you individually, but all of humanity. So when looking at the rulings of Islam, it's important for us to remember that it is guidelines and it guides you. It guides you to that which is the most suitable. If you're being guided, it's taking you somewhere. Dina, where? To the Sirat al-Mustaqim. So if we want to go to the Sirat al-Mustaqim or to stay on the Sirat al-Mustaqim, it's important to take that which is aqwa. And from that, the ones that take that which is most upright, they are the mu'minin. They are the ones that are the believers. And that's why he congratulates them right after that. He gives glad tidings to the mu'minin. Who are they? They are the ones that do the righteous deeds, the deeds of the Quran that calls you to that which is most suitable. What is the reward? The ajran kabira, the great, great reward. And scholars mention that as Jannah. But hold on, there's a flip side to that. There are those that don't believe. There are those that don't care to believe. There are those that would prefer other than the Quran, which was mentioned earlier, the lens. What lens do we view the world? It's important for the Muslim to view through an Islamic worldview to where everything is weighed against Islam, not the opposite. When we say Islam, it is the word of Allah and the practice of the Prophet wasallam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and those that who do not believe in the hereafter, we have prepared for them a painful punishment. Realizing that there is a place of eternal bliss, but one has to work for it. And one has a choice to make. Are they choosing that which is beneficial for them? Are they choosing that which is the best? Whenever we go and buy any product and they put things in front of us, you know, different prices and different qualities, we want the best of them. If we had the opportunity with all the money that we, we had, we would want the best. What about the purpose of our existence? Do we not want the best in this life with our consciousness, with our values? What do we value to ultimately be with the one that we value the most? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In conclusion, Allah right after that mentions our reality. When he talks about the reality of, of human beings and saying that they are ajulan, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that mankind is very hasteful and that they will be hasteful and they will call on the dua and make dua for good and dua for evil, because sometimes we are hasteful in what we want and in what we do. And that's why it's very important for us to understand when wanting this, which is aqwam, sometimes you will, many times you will have to be patient with what Allah has predestined. Be patient with the sharia. Be patient with those guidelines. And with that, there is an eternal promise. And again, we believe in Allah. As the sister mentioned, mashallah, but do we believe, do we believe him when he says these things? The struggle is real on a daily basis for us to fight it's you versus you. And we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants the best for you. So it's up to you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all, inshallah. Amen. Jazakallah khair. SubhanAllah, I feel like everyone's ending with a mic drop today. This is his last, <laughs> last, last 30 seconds. Uh, mashallah. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you, Shaykh Abdullah. And last, I think we got you know a few minutes, inshallah. Ta mashallah, we've covered a lot of, of ground here, but I'd love to hear any follow-up reflection, quick reflection, take-home message from Dr. Farah, Dr. Omar once again, uh, inshallah ta'ala, before we, we close it off. Dr. Farah, tafadali, do you have anything inshallah for us? No, Sheikh Abdullah, I loved your point about this idea. When we read the Quran, we have to remember that it is primarily a book of guidance. And I think sometimes we take this different lens into it, that there is always a greater objective and Allah always wants the best for us, Panala. So I really love that that uh, that point. Exactly. Exactly. Dr. Farah, were you taking notes? I was. 
that's fantastic. <laughs> See, that's, that's such a great example for everybody. Uh, taking notes, mashallah. Mashallah. Bless you. I, those are the those are the the the, the uh, you know like the posts online that light my heart the most are when people actually post notes right that they're taking notes because you can uh, see like people are actually reflecting beyond what we are saying which is the point of the Quran uh, for tadabbur right for reflection so people are not just capturing what they're hearing but they're also putting on their their extra notes Dr. Omar are you taking notes? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulties. Uh, no, we can't hear you. No, no notes at, the, at this particular moment. Um, I just want to briefly, uh, just going back to one point Sheikh Abdullah made about organizations. I get tired of seeing these viral clips about how great this organization was and how hard these people worked to build it and they slept in their office. It's like that is, everyone marvels at that when it comes to things that people achieve in this world. But when that effort is moved over to like, you got to work in the deen. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, why is Islam so hard? Why is there so many rules? Is there something else we can do? Like embracing that struggle. Like if that attitude, it's just an attitude shift, right? Reframing, as we call it. Um, it, it, it like enjoying that. Like, yeah, I, I did lack sleep in Ramadan, and I enjoyed every minute of it, right? Um, but just... Just, I just urge us to keep this in mind because you just get flooded with these clips and we're just like, oh yeah, I like, this is so wonderful. Uh, but when it comes to the dean, it's like we just want the express route. But anything worth having in life takes effort uh, and a lot of energy. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to transfer it to what matters the most. Honestly, really enjoyed having the both of you, alhamdulillah. Uh, I think bringing that, those, those perspectives that both merge the uh, religious perspective as well as you know your expertise beyond that alhamdulillah but i mean with the, with with how people are thinking about these things is very important to us alhamdulillah so this is a very beneficial session uh just to so, so i can clear myself we have retired the term dad jokes Omar, we're done with dad jokes we're not using the term anymore uh, but so it's not backbiting uh mufti abdurrahman wahid we love your urdu poetry Dr. Farah, we love that we got to show our Bengali family some love today. There you go. And Dr. Al-Taf Hussain, it's not because of you that the age rating would be there. It would be because of Dr. Omar Hussain. So just so that, that we, we can put that there. Uh, but you're very restrained today, man. I appreciate it. Zakallah khair. I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about what happens after, but I appreciate you sparing uh, sparing us uh, today. Oh, also, you have a series, Conversations... Um, uh, conversations with God. Um, what was the name of the series? Did you forget it? Quranic du'as. <laughs> no, it was a playlist on Yaqeen. You did. You did a beautiful series on du'as. It's, you know, I think a lot of people have not gone through the old playlists that we have. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a couple of years. But conversing with God or how to converse with God. But you did have a series. Forgive me for not looking that up prior. But you did have a, a series, mashallah, that was very beneficial on some of the du'as from the Quran. So I encourage everyone to go through the playlist, see Dr. Omar Hussain's playlist, inshallah. Dr. Farah, we have to record a series with you. Yeah, I was, I was about to say inshallah, when, not if, when. Yeah, inshallah. I think, I think, I think Dr. Dr. Farah, I hope she has a good massager because her back's probably tired from carrying this whole episode. So. <laughs> oh, no. She, has so no, no. she can relax, you know, while we're sitting over here. <laughs> <laughs> Too kind to talk. Like all right, y'all. So with that, we we will let you all go. Uh, 
Zach and Lachayna for giving us a lighthearted but also very beneficial episode halfway through Ramadan. We pray that everyone has a blessed second half to their Ramadan. We'll look forward to being yeah. with you again tomorrow night, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa What is the status of our community today? Not so great. We have pretty bad PR, but we can find good PR on our prayer carpet at night. We can, through the worship of God, through deep worship of God, and even quick, even swift, even a couple of minutes before Fajr, worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we can elevate not only our personal status with God, not only our personal status with dunya, but the status of our ummah, as was the promise to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.